Hey everybody, this is Michael. This is Rick. And this is Mario. The chef cooked for you the special, the dancers will kick your tongue out and your credit is good. Let's get it on. Alright, so uh, last time we were kind of opening the door talking about San Antonio and its current one sport team, the San Antonio Spurs, and we talked about the idea of you know, we've been hitting these themes of San Antonio as a city and can it grow? Are we at its plateau point? Mm-hmm. So we're just kind of looking at the idea of are we stuck where we are for the foreseeable future as one professional sports team? Could we get professional football? Could we get professional baseball? And if we're only talking about the three majors as the three the three, um, the three wise men of sports, so to speak, then we really couldn't count, you know, club sports or arena football or... The uh, what's the soccer league, Rick, that we've had before? Uh, we get the Scorpions. I don't know what their actual league is called, but it's like a minor league. But there isn't really like like whatever the LA Galaxy play. Like the MLS. That's MLS. That's yeah. pro soccer. That's as pro as it gets beyond in, like, in America, Olympics, right? In America, okay. yeah. So, I guess that's kind of the thing that's been something on my mind <laughs> is you know this is such a a feverish sports town, but the tradition has been that if you live in San Antonio, and I guess we'll start with football is if you live in San Antonio, you're a de facto Cowboys fan, which is the majority here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even if, let's say, you know, a billionaire investor or a group of guys were able to get the NFL owners and Roger Goodell to say, hey, let's get a team in San Antonio, the question is, where would we put them? What would be a good mascot name? Could we get the business support to fill the luxury suites? Would we get yeah. the fan support to fill... I would say a minimum stadium of like 60,000 people, kind of like the Indianapolis Colts. Like that's kind of what we'd be looking at. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wouldn't build, you know, a 100,000 plus stadium like Dallas or anything like that. But yeah. also would we have to name a city of San Antonio's football team as like the Austin, San Antonio, whatever, to get the Austin business conglomerates to mm-hmm. join in? Or could we do it ourselves? Can this city feel the team? You know, because you're talking about season tickets, you're talking about business investments, uh, you know, the luxury suite thing is a humongous part of uh, revenue for, yeah. for sports teams. So that's kind of something I'm just wondering, you know, A, is it something that even interests you guys? Is that something that you could ever see happening here? What are the things that would have to fall in line for that to be a remote possibility? Do you want that? Do you want that here? I think just as a San Antonian, I, yeah, I kind of do. I mean, just the idea that we're always trying to compete with other cities and fall short every single time. I mean, everybody always says keep San Antonio lame, you know, keep Austin weird or whatever, you know, we get the screwy end of it. And, you know, I I would like to see that. I mean, and I'm not really a sports guy either. So, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily go per se, but I'd be excited that there would be something and that might actually change my involvement. And I really think too, you know, football is that, it's that universal sport. Now, you know, you guys know I'm a basketball (laughs) guy first. That's my favorite sport. Mm -hmm. But um, I like football from, from the, I guess from the point of view of I, gen- I genuinely enjoy the sport in general, but it's also unlike basketball. I can watch basketball completely by myself at night, whether it's a Spurs game or college basketball or anything like that, and completely enjoy it. Whereas football always feels like a social event. It feels yeah. like you know nobody ever watches the Super Bowl alone. It's always either you're hosting a Super Bowl party or you're going to a Super Bowl party. Right. And I think having a team in your own city lends itself to that thing every Sunday where. The football season's only 16 games, and so you're basically talking about, even as season ticket holders, you know, if all of us said, well, let's all get a block of tickets together, that's eight games 
and it's usually going to be on set on Sundays, maybe a Saturday, maybe a Thursday. Those are rare in between, but you're talking about all the tailgating fun and all the, th- the, the things that go into that right. for a very minimal amount because there's so many seats. The seats aren't priced the way they are for, for other sports. So, you know, you could get something pretty decent for, I'm assuming, 75 or or $100 a game. And yeah, that's th- like 800 to to $1,000 for one person, 2000 if you're doing it up as a couple. And then saying, this is kind of our commitment to do something together as friends, as family. I feel like that's something San Antonio is very big on is the, the family part oh, yeah. of it, the tradition, the culture and stuff like that. So I don't know. I'm trying to see what we're missing as a city besides, you know, the uh, the market share and all that TV stuff that people always talk about. San Antonio is a small market. I, I know all that. but Yeah. I, I think the thing that comes up, and not that I necessarily agree, but I think the thing that always comes up is, you know, when, when you talk about San Antonio, at least the kind of metropolitan area is that, you know, the median income for, for families is significantly lower than a lot of the other markets. So that that's, that's kind of the issue when, you know, if I'm not mistaken, you can go to like a, a Spurs game or like a Rampage game, you can, you can pay like $15 or something for a ticket. Whereas right. like uh, in my experience, like going to like Texans games and stuff, I mean, the, the absolute dead last nosebleed seat face value is like, I think $56 for one person. And then you you know if you end up going through StubHub or something like that, you're talking ninety dollars. That's more realistic, ninety bu- ninety bucks a person. So I, I think that that's something that kind of plays into it because again, it's the same thing. Now, if if I was you know if I had kids and stuff, and you know I had three or four kids, I would love to take them to football games. I would love to take the whole family. But I mean, right there, you're talking about three or four hundred dollars a pop. Mm-hmm. You know, now if I could afford it, and I'm the type of person that I would find a way to afford it. You know, I'd like, well, you're not going. You're not getting new shoes because dad wants season tickets. That's right. You yeah, know, that's or, right. or whatever. But I think that that's part of it. You know, um, that's a big part of it, unfortunately. And that's something you hear over and over again, which is is is, is crappy because it's unfair. You know, it's unfair that, um, that that's kind of like the the thing that we're the label that we're stuck with. You know, but again, because like you said, you know, you get to look to it like the business interests here. And I think now, yeah. especially if you look at, and granted, it's something that's only probably projected for the next 15 or 20 years, but you look at all like the the natural gas and oil field stuff that's going on and like the Eagle Ford shale and all this, you, you do have a really big influx of companies now. I mean, you have Halliburton, you have Schumlenberger or whatever. You have all these companies that are coming in from up north and from out of state that are dumping tons and tons of money into the local economies of not just San Antonio area, but like, you know, obviously further south, even towards the border. Mm -hmm. So I think it maybe in the next couple of years, it's probably the time to strike because you do have these big corporations that are dumping tons of money into the infrastructure, hopefully of some of these smaller areas and bringing people from out of state to work here and to live here. And hopefully they'll settle here. So maybe, maybe the window's there. I don't know. I I feel like it's something that isn't completely out of the realm of possibility because here's some things I notice in our, in our city. I notice that the malls, North star, La Cantera, Rolling Oaks, wherever, it doesn't matter what time of day it is, even during the holiday season, you don't see a shortage of cars and a shortage of spending and a shortage of long lines and people walking around with bags. Now, granted, we do have a percentage of, um, you know, people that aren't from the city or even out of the country. You know, it's it's not an uncommon thing to see, you know, a lot of um, Mexico license plates and stuff like that. And, of course, they bring in their money. But you see a lot of people just from the valley that make it up here just yeah. for regular Saturday shopping. So something tells me 
you know, even if we had, and I say football first because you were mentioning money per game. So let's talk about the three majors. NBA, an NBA season is 82 games. So that's 41 home games for each city. Major League Baseball is 162 games. So that's 100, that's um, 81 home games. And then football, 16 games. That's eight home games. And then, of course, a couple of preseason games. I think two preseasons for football, yeah. something like four yeah. or five for basketball, and probably something like that for baseball. So, yeah, you're going to pay more per, per seat because it's you only get eight shots a year to go to your home team's games. Yeah. You know, not talking about playoffs and stuff like that. So I know it's going to be a, a hotter commodity, but that's what makes it more special. Now, yeah. again, like I said, me being a basketball and an NBA fan first – doesn't take away from my acknowledgement of the fact that football would be an easier draw. I've never been a season ticket holder for the Spurs ever. Yeah. And I wish I could. I wish just once in my life I could have done it during the Duncan era. I really would love to have said yeah. just for one season I was just totally immersed in Spurs basketball. And every couple of nights I was there for a home game, we typically end up – I get to go to maybe anywhere between one to five games max a season. And then rarely I get to go to a playoff game because I end up watching them at home and stuff like that. So yeah. as – feverish as I am for it and I bleed silver and black I am not able to be there every night but with football it's like it feels like a be my team so that's automatic home love mm-hmm. so I'd already be I would already be there I wouldn't be watching those games on TV and then of course I know you get blacked out anyway if you don't sell out but yeah. to me it seems like a no-brainer and you brought up Rick a really great point about the fact that you'd find a way I feel like that's I brought up the way the malls are always filled up and people are always spending because I feel like people would find a way. If we built yeah. a small enough stadium that's not requiring these giant sellouts and it's a modest a modest stadium, you know, because um, obviously the Alamo Dome is not a feasible facility, but I feel like our city would be able to feel that as well as all the <laughs> surrounding areas. I yeah. feel like San Marcos would drive down. Maybe even some Austin would drive down. Some valley cities yeah. would drive up. Because it's only eight times a year, and it shouldn't yeah. be that difficult to put yeah. that together. And, and we've talked about that in the past. I, mean, I think I, I actually probably on a drive to Austin, you and I had a long talk about that, about an ideal place for a stadium, for example. And we had talked about right. like New Braunfels. Exactly. Because it's kind of that middle ground right around. I mean, you figure where you live, like in Shirts, yeah. like between Shirts, Shirts is closer to New Braunfels than it is almost – Oh, it is than going yeah. downtown. Yeah, that's seventeen miles the other way. Whereas you're probably like five miles or yeah. ten miles to New Braunfels. Pretty much, and it's the same thing coming the other way from San Marcos, and then you know, you know, whatever, forty miles further from uh, from from Austin. So I think you're right. You're definitely going to get those people, and as long as you know you're able to smartly handle that and market that early on mm-hmm. um, to all those groups of people, because you're opening yourself up again to you know plenty of. Uh, private businesses and corporations, and then of course, you know, you have your Austin, all your computer, you know, mini Silicon Valley type corporations. Stuff so, like that. so a couple of branching threads off of this is um, is one of the things that hurts us, and I'm not even talking about the realities of dealing with ownership groups or the NFL opening up an expansion <coughs> or anything like that, but San Antonio, for the most part, is what 85 percent Cowboy City. 10% Texans and 5% other. Is that a pretty accurate yeah, yeah, statement yeah, so. for people that are football fans? Yeah. This is Cowboys country for yeah. whatever reason. It's something I really don't understand that, where that came from. Marketing. That's marketing. It is, I right? Mean, that's... But that's why Jerry Jones every so often brings the team to practice here. And everyone feels an attachment to them. Would, yeah. would we have to wait a few generations if we got a team to see our own fans that are Cowboy people? Just uh, in, with the, what I'm saying is with those diehard, those diehard Cowboy fans, would they instantly – 
take off their Romo jersey and throw on the whatever our new team is jersey or do both? Or would they say, well, no, man, I'm not going to be a San Antonio fan. My team is Dallas. That's my team. I bleed the Cowboy I, I, silver, I think, the, blue, I think, the blue star or whatever is I, I don't want to say team. the majority, but I think you'd have a lot of people that would immediately defect. Yeah. Because there's people that like – and I get it. I mean, like I've never – you know, I've never been – as an adult, as a football watching adult, like you know, even in high school, like a Cowboys fan per se. Of course, when I was a kid, I liked Herschel Walker, and right. Danny White, and all right. these guys. Yeah. But you know, I didn't. I liked anybody I saw on TV. You know, whatever that looked cool. Um, but I think obviously, you now you have some people that that's the team because that's the team they had for so long. Their their parents or their grandparents. It's kind of ingrained and built into their their culture of their families and stuff. And that's the <clears> team that you root for. But at the same time, I think. I think it's hard to deny that if San Antonio is suddenly an NFL team, I can't imagine someone who loves the Cowboys be like, well, you know, I'm not going to, you know, you know, F San Antonio because I still love the Cowboys. Now that yeah. the thing that I think you have to do, and of course this is something that I'm sure Dallas fights against is that, you know, Dallas and Houston, for example, are in, in different conferences. Right. The benefit of that is you can play off, you know, out, out of conference games, which they don't, they only play each other like every four years. You know, so the past 10 years, mm. they've played each other like whatever that is, you know, three or four times or whatever. Uh-huh. And that's probably something that Jerry Jones fights against because he doesn't. What if, what if, you know, I think the Texans only beat him the first time they ever played him and that was it. But what if suddenly now every time they played him twice a year or once a year, they beat them? So suddenly you're, you're you know, you're in Jerry World getting your ass handed mm. to you by the Texans in front of 100,000 people. There's people that are going to be like, oh, okay, well, I don't like him that much. I'd rather, you know, because, you know, and I hear this from a lot of, like, Cowboys fans, people that are diehard Cowboys fans are like, oh, I hate Romo, or I hate Jerry right. Jones, and I hate, yeah. like, how do you hate all the people that play for your team? Like, <laughs> you can't just say, I lo- like, oh, I, just, I love the organization. I'm like, well, no, Jerry Jones is the organization. Yeah, right. So you can't separate those things and say, well, you know, I hate Jason Garrett, and I hate Tony Romo, and I hate Jerry Jones. Oh, but I love the Cowboys. Like, as far as you're concerned in the scope of your your reality like that is the cowboys right. you know what i mean that'd mm-hmm. be like if i was like oh i hate bob mcnair and i hate jj watt and i hate brian cush oh but i love the texans like right. those guys are the texans you know what i mean like i'm a you know i'd be kind of backwards if i if i tried to argue against that so that's i think too a lot of that is the the fan the lethargic fandom of just protecting their hearts because they know every year they're going to lead to heartache knowing that as long as the back of the jersey says romo as long as the owner says jones and as long as the head coach hat says garrett that's a trifecta of non-winning combinations i mean and again not in a trash talking way just it's a proven thing right that they've had one playoff victory in 17 years or something i don't know the specific statistics it's something something pretty bad right but the point is that all of that money and all that roster back back bankrolling everything hasn't really and we already know that in sports, you know, the Moneyball effect can or can't have a, a positive effect. You know, and the Spurs are the perfected, perfected example of, you know, running a franchise in, in a pro sports situation where mm-hmm. the top heavy teams with the higher payrolls are typically given the pre-advantage to making it further in the uh, playoffs and things like that. It doesn't always happen. You have teams like New York that have perennially been terrible and teams like the Lakers that despite their payroll, you know, Cubby Bryant goes down with injury and the whole team falls apart. Yeah. Um, the thing I guess I'm looking at as a city is for us, you know, it just, I don't know. I feel like even if there was a billionaire guy, like let's say Mark Zuckerberg was from here and he was like, you know, I've got $28 billion and I'll buy the stadium myself out of my money. No bond elections, no public money. I'll do it myself. 
is it really as simple as, you know, them saying, or Jerry Jones saying, well, I don't want San Antonio to, you know, I don't want to lose that fan base, so I'm going to veto it, and he has enough clout with the owners to put a stop I, to it. Is I it think, that simple? No. I, you know? I think at the end of the day, it's money. Like, if you have the money and you're coming in, because normally what you're doing is you're negotiating, obviously, with the NFL itself, with the with the, with the the owners, with, you know, and then you got to come in and negotiate with the city, right? Because that's usually, that's where you run into problems, where you say, okay, well, we want to build this stadium, and it costs $300 million or whatever, a billion dollars, right. but we don't want to pay for all of it. We only want to pay for 20% of it. We want you to make up the rest of the difference by adding a, you know, 100%, you know, whatever tax hike, which is like what they did with the Alamo Dome back in the day, right? Like right. make a bond thing for it, you know? And then, and that's when you you kind of, I mean, you see that with established teams where they run into that and they have to threaten to like move away or they do move away because they're trying to play that game. So I think, yeah, like if, in, your, in your example, if somebody were to walk in and be like, I've got a hundred billion dollars, I'm going to buy this piece of land, I'm going to build the stadium, I'm going to do everything myself, and I'll give you the concessions, San Antonio. Right. I, that would be, you know, it'd be hard to like, I will give you this, this, the, the concessions, I will give you the parking. And I will pay for the rest, and the rest of the money's coming to me. Like, how is that a, a, a bad deal for the city? Right. Because now suddenly you're on, you know, you're getting exposure, you're getting mm-hmm. TV, you know, you're getting the River Walk on on national TV every Sunday, you know, and SeaWorld and Fiesta Texas and the missions and all this stuff. I mean, that's all like, that's money, you know. So, I I feel like it's I feel like it's possible, and I really realistically yeah. think you know in ten years time. Could we see it? Assuming it's not a simple, a simple thing of uh, yeah. someone making a summary decision, the commissioner or a, a specific owner or a set of owners. I feel like our city really has that potential. And I only mentioned football. Not that I have anything against baseball. I just feel like if I'm talking about one of the two, it feels like football is a more realistic possibility because there's a right. built-in fan base for the sport. Yeah. Then there's a built-in fan base for because well, we've had a couple of those Rangers games at the dome, right? And it doesn't and seem like it's there's not a ton of attendance at those. Yeah. So, well, that's a thing too, and I and I and I say this, and you know that like I'm not a big baseball fan or really big ba- basketball fan at all either. So that's always a gripe I have, and I know we've talked about this. We have our differing opinions, but like that's the thing as like a football fan, <clears throat> the way I've always seen it is you know you play 16 games, and eight of them are at home, so. There's always an implication, like because you have your conferences and you're, there's a smaller deal. So there's always implications where every week, generally every game does matter. And, and it's the truth. And that may be the same for other big sports too, but as a casual viewer, that perception is not there. When I see like mm-hmm. baseball has 100 and something games, I'm like, and you see like, oh, so and so, they're on a 20 game losing streak. Oh, but they still made the playoffs. I'm like, no, you yeah. suck. Like, I don't care how many games you want after that. If anyone wins, loses 20 games in a row, like, you suck. Or you're lazy, or you know that, oh, the only thing that matters is the playoffs. Let's just get to the playoffs. And the NFL, for example, isn't that way. You can't just coast into the playoffs. Like, it doesn't work that way. It's like every week, especially when you're playing people in your own conference. If you lose a couple of games in your conference, you're pretty much screwed halfway through the season, and you're stuck. So are you telling me that if the NBA had 20 games in a season, you'd be more apt to watch the games and be a fan of the sport um, or the Spurs? 
I think that was a, that's a tiny factor. I'm not saying that's the only thing that keeps me away. Because my gripe with yeah. you, my gripe with you specifically, Rick, <laughs> is that we only get one shot so far. We have one major team, and we're lucky to still have them because yeah. they could easily have already been taken away. But I feel like you, specifically, being a sports guy, and more so being a San Antonio guy, who's very much a champion of the heart of the city, and mm-hmm. you take pictures of, you know, things all over the town. But our one sport team, where Mario, I can understand it more because he's not really a sports yeah. guy. And you are, I feel like you have no real excuse not yeah. to be behind them or even watch during the the wagon time, which is playoff time right. or root for them. Because I can tell you, like, I've only been to probably a handful of, of Spurs games. But every single time, I've told you that, every single time I've gone, I've had a great time and I've enjoyed right. it and I got into it. And, you know, and but again, I've never bought my own ticket. You know, I went with Jeff once, and once I went through, like, a work thing, and I got to sit in, like, the skybox and the uh-huh. whole bit. So it was the full experience. And yeah. I remember, like, we went one time, me and Carolyn, and we were like, wow, like, we can't ever come back because we had to sit in, like, the sky, like, in the <laughs> box with, like, free beer and hot wings. And, like, I don't want to sit down there up at the top for, like, right. bucks. And, like, you know, like, <laughs> right. but whatever. But, and I always enjoyed it. So, I mean, I'm talking about myself, too, but that's kind of a, another question I have is that, like, is that how do you get – and this is the important thing because it's not the diehards, right? Right. Like, I mean, because like you said yourself, you're a diehard fan, but even for you, it's hard to go to more games than than you know, it's possible, right? Right. You would right. love to go to more. So that's the thing is, but sports in general, like they're casual fan sports. Like there's no sport that requires you to be a hardcore fan. You know what I mean? Like, right. and especially like basketball, especially if you have a team that's consistently good, it's easier to be a casual fan of them. If if I just kind of like basketball and the Spurs sucked. What would be my incentive to ever watch them if I didn't really like basketball, and mm-hmm. I really I, no interest in it, and they suck? You know what I'm saying? Right. So there, there's no like built-in interest because even if I go to a game, I'm like, I'm gonna go to the game. Like, oh, I'm shouldn't go there and get drunk and have a good time, and that's it, and not give a shit about the game. Well, then why am I there? Yeah. I want to go there and be entertained and and feel some competition you know what i mean so that's part of it so that that's another question i have is that you know again like you said we only have one major you know professional league team which is the spurs but we do have the scorpions we do have like the arena football italian talons um we have the rampage that are these and the, we have the missions these are all minor league teams that you can watch their games for relatively cheap you can take your whole family. They have like all these kinds, like the rampage. Every year I want to mm. go and I never go, but they have the night where you can take your pets. Right. And every year, like it just passed recently, and I was busy that day. I think it was Seclovia or something, and I, you could take your pet that day. That's and I was awesome. like, dude, I want to take Lincoln. Cool. It's like twenty bucks, ten dollars, ten dollars for a dog, ten dollars for you. You right. know what I mean? And they have like, you know, you can adopt pets there, and they have like pet stations and all kinds of shit, and that's enticing to me. And if I had, you know, if I wasn't busy that day, I probably would have gone this time. You know. So, but that's the thing is like those things are there too, but I'm, I would imagine those things don't sell out either. Right. And that's yeah. the, th- that's the part of it too. Now, if you, again, if you were to ask a casual person about say, Hey, like, why don't we go check out the talents? Like, or whatever. Someone might say, Oh, well, it's not like NFL. So why would I want to see it? You know, I'm not saying that's, yeah. that's the prevailing thought or that's what I believe, but that's part of it. Now, if you can't get a casual sports fan to go to a Spurs game, how are you going to get them to go watch the missions? No, it's a good point. You know what I mean? mean? And, like, and that's something you see a lot here, and and that's why I'm, I never quite understand it. But I would just love to see these type of things galvanize our city a little more. I feel like that would bring, you know, and it's not just about bringing notoriety to the city or making us a bigger market. I, I could care less about our market share and yeah. our TV size. I know it's important. I know that has a lot to do with how much leverage you can put into something like that. But 
it would just be neat to see something because a lot of cities' values are measured in their in their sports teams yeah. and stuff like that, where some cities have two. You know, we've got the one major sports team. So uh, I don't know. It's just something cool to think about. I I really think it's a something we could legitimately see in maybe 10 years if they start opening to expansion again and our city's able to promote itself with that kind of fi- financial backing. And real quick, what would you say would be a good um, mascot team name? Uh, I'm going to go with what we had talked about before. Texas Republic? The Texas Republic. I've always liked that, too. And we had talked about co-opting the Cobra sign from yes. G.I. Joe and using that <laughs> as the logo. Absolutely. I still I, I, I love it, too. I honestly can't think of anything better than that because it's, you know, it being like, a, say it's like a rattler or something. And of course, like there'd that. be tons of jokes about seceding and all that stuff. Yeah, you know, exactly. But That's the, fine. The uniforms could be, you know, because they're the spurs are black and white. And I was thinking of something like that where the mascot can have nothing to do with the name, just the way that the coyote has nothing yeah. to do with the spurs. Yeah. But it's perfect because when you try when your when your mascot is the Panthers, then you can't have a cool yeah. mascot. You have yeah. to have a Panther in a, in a suit there. And that, and so. see, that, that's something that, that's an angle I wouldn't mind seeing. Cause if we go that route and you say we do like, like black and red, you know, something like that, something kind of, kind of right. tough, you know, and that is kind of, uh, you know, the opposite from like the Cowboys were, you know, ironically, the Cowboys aren't a squeaky clean team, but that's the image they have, like that America's team image. And there's like right. the white and the blue with the star and all that stuff. And it's like that kind of pretty like this, you know, and the Texans are the same way. I mean, the Texans are their image. They're very clean cut, very like, you know, kind of straight and narrow kind of team. And us have that team that's kind of like, oh, these guys are kind of like a little rough, you know, like and, I love and, 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 and I love it. kind of build that culture around it that way. And. And I think people would jump on it. You heard it here. Texas Republic, somewhere north of San Antonio, between you Braunfels, Cobra-type mascot <laughs> logo. We're going to be working on it. And when we get the team, it's going to be S3. We're going to form the team once this podcast takes off. We're going <laughs> to yeah. use the proceeds to get the, the one, NFL The one here. thing I will say real quick, sorry, I know we're wrapping that up. but like, And I, I, I wish, again, I'm not a basketball fan, but I wish that the Dallas Mavericks didn't have that name as their team name because that's more appropriate to san antonio right. because i mean the the name maverick originates from san antonio like from like their maverick family they're the ones that actually that name came from that's true so it'd been more yeah. appropriate like that would have been a great football name if that wasn't already a basketball team yeah they could have kept Everybody the hates. dallas chaparrals and then yeah they could have the mavericks wide open for yeah. use no good call yeah and for me, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a sports guy. <laughs> Mario just came back in the room. He's been playing Welcome video back, games. Welcome back, Mario. He's been on Call of Duty for the past 25 minutes. <laughs> Listening to the chat. Killing campers. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll be back with you in a minute. Uh, we've got a special guest coming in, so we're just going to take a quick break. All right, guys. Welcome back. So um, I, uh, during the break, took off real quick to the uh, airport picked up my uh, longtime friend and brother in arms johnny from uh, denver just got in so uh we officially have our first guest fresh off the plane uh grew up in san antonio here went to high school together along with uh, rick at least for the first year of high school so uh like rick i've known this guy 20 20 plus years or something like that which is a scary scary thing but anyway johnny it's great to have you back for a short visit and Hello. um we're glad to have you on as well. So, thank welcome. you very much. This is my first one of the guesting of anything in my life. So. Welcome. Fantastic. We've so, popped your, uh, we've popped your cherry then. <laughs> Ew. You get to clean it up. <laughs> That's amazing. So, uh, 
Johnny and I, I was talking to him about what we were talking about on the way over about San Antonio and the sports sports teams and having more than one team and just the economies of scale of uh, the of the city. So thought we'd just continue talking about you know the the stuff we were talking about in pre-show, Rick and Mario and I about you know San Antonio as a urban city. You know the way we're kind of spread out versus a lot of the the big market cities that are you know bunched Austin. in and so yeah so. Uh, we all know how I feel about Austin at this point. I think you'd love it. I don't. This so audience, tell me, but... he wants to move there. No, I don't want to move. Austin there. isn't that big a city. You know, so I think, you it's know, not. I, I mean, I, I, uh, I when did I leave here in the early two thousands? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've lived a lot of major cities coast to coast. And Austin's, a, I mean, it's it's a fun city. It's a great city. Funny enough, it's not that big. Yeah. You know, even I, I, I to its benefit, I yeah, think. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Well, and I hear that it's starting to get populated. You know, but mm-hmm. even as a TV, TV demographic, I think it's still in the 50s. San Antonio's at 37. Yeah. You know, so it's um, it's funny like that, that uh, San Antonio is actually a bigger city. Oh, yeah. But it's just spread out farther. 167% more populated than Austin. I think what is I looked at that up. What's San Antonio's population? Is it 1.8 or 1.3 million? No, 1.3, uh, I think. Yeah. Is it really 1.8? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then the, view, like then, the, then the TV viewing is about 1.8 with New Braunfels. Yeah, yeah. Bar. I think once okay. you throw in the other go. surrounding cities and stuff. No, San Antonio's a good-sized city. Yeah. So what problems do you think we face compared well, you know, to I don't, other places? You know, I, I haven't lived here in a long time, so I, I don't, I don't. It's funny. I ask Mike little things like, "So what's, so what do you guys do like on a Saturday night?" Like I have no clue. Right like I don't know. Do you guys, hang, do you guys hang out downtown? You know, you know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a city dweller. Every city I've lived in, I always live smack in the middle of downtown. I like to hang out downtown. I like to party downtown. Um, but I don't like here. That's what I like, What goes on here? Like you know, is what's like you know, t- you know, what is it? Twenty years, fifteen years ago, it was. Planeta Mexico and yeah, yeah, um, atrium, the atrium, good God, <laughs> scary days. And so now I don't, I don't know what's cool. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, I think now, I mean, to the city's credit, there's a lot of initiatives that are going on right now. You know, mm-hmm. with like the SA 2020 stuff and yeah. a lot of the stuff that uh, uh, that the mayor's doing and stuff. They're really trying to get people back into the urban core and not just live there or work there, but actually participate in the culture of it and and uh, that's the big thing right now. I mean, before, like you said, you know, when we were even in high school, if you came downtown, it's like what we do is like you drive around the loop, you know, downtown okay. or, or whatever. And that was, that was it. I mean, obviously we weren't going to bars or anything downtown. So it was like, you might go to a club or, you you know, I used to go to the Bonham in high school. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. what we would do it. Think, on, was it Wednesday nights or whatever? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's when we would go there. That was the, the designated night to find ladies. was Wednesday <laughs> night. And to see every, uh, about the local get his fight on yeah. there or something. Yeah. So, but that's the thing. I mean, now, I mean, that, that I think that's something that we've always had to kind of fight with growing up here is that, you know, if you didn't live, I mean, most, most of us didn't know anyone that lived downtown. We we're talking about that earlier. Like, even if you, whether you lived in the south side or the west side, the north side, it didn't matter because you didn't live downtown. Mm-hmm. So if you went downtown, it was usually because someone was in town visiting that hadn't been to the Alamo or sure. hadn't been to River Center yeah, or whatever. Sure. And you really didn't go there unless it was for school or for something like that. So it was almost like a pain or a chore to go downtown because there wasn't really anything for you to see that you hadn't seen before, at least in, in, yeah, in our thoughts as, as kids, you know, yeah. being dragged down there. And, I mean, even when we lived down there back, it was back in like oh three or oh four. we lived down there for like yeah. two and a half years, and it was great. We loved living downtown. 
but it was the same thing when I lived there you know we lived in a little studio apartment right there on Pecan and St. Mary's but even then like it was a chore to get our friends to come visit us because it wasn't as your friends it was a chore to yeah people were like oh it's hard to park park. and oh it's a long way and I don't want to drive you know yeah yeah, there's no public transportation yeah and understandably you know but so the only time it was kind of cool to come down is when there was something big happening, like Fiesta stuff, or like I know, like you know, when the Spurs won stuff, it right. was a big deal because they went right past our apartment on the River right. Parade thing. Um, but now, obviously, you have you know your first Friday and first Saturday and first Tuesday and second. Pretty I think much I've done every... one of those nights here somewhere back. They are pretty neat. It's, it yeah. seems like it seems oh, yeah. like that blew up. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's literally like it seems like every night there's something going on somewhere downtown. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was telling Mario, I, I saw it, like, on Instagram, but the other night, like, the McNay, they were doing something outside where they were having, like, craft beer and food That's and cool. music, yeah. and it's such a cool thing, Yeah. but it's, like, again, like, you have to make a concerted it, 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 effort. Yeah. If I had moved back yeah. here, I would absolutely have to, I would only feel like I could live downtown, like, I would have to find a, that, like, that would be great, I just, I don't know what else goes on around here, but yeah. I yeah. think it would be cool. Yeah. Well, a lot, and like Rich's saying, a lot more stuff is happening, for me, my problem is that the, the marketing of it all you don't hear about it until it's either happening or it's done. For me, at least. Social, no, me, me that, too. Well, so that's where the that's where the you know, the so, social media is 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 what's going on these days. Yeah, but it's uh, like instantaneous. Like, hey guys, tonight is this, and I'm like, I've already I've but, already but, got plans. But tonight. like you yeah. mentioned earlier too, it's a part of that is also is it that a lot of that marketing is directed at a specific at a specific mm-hmm. audience. The people that you know are probably like a couple years out of college have a job aren't married don't have kids so on yeah. the drop of a hat they're like yeah, they can go they what might, are we doing tonight yeah they might work downtown or they might work in medical center like hey let's do something oh this thing going on cool let's all get together and go whereas like we yeah. talked about earlier you know guys are mid-30s that have wives and kids and all these kinds of other responsibilities mm-hmm. it, you can't just do stuff anymore at the drop of a hat yeah you know so it, it is a little bit mike and know, i were talking about that earlier yeah. uh before you got here as well that, that it's just the chore of having to leave with a child whether leaving with the child or leaving the child with with a sitter or something, it's just it's a lot of work. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. Really, I assume I don't. I, I don't like leaving my dog behind. So I mean, and I, I completely <laughs> yeah. That's serious. why I don't have a dog. I'm, yeah, sometimes I'm like, <laughs> really? I'm like leaving the dogs looking at me like, where are you going? You know, like he knows, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, I might go away this weekend. No dog. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, definitely. I mean, there there is now they're making that concerted effort, which is which yeah. is a great thing, and. Um, you know, they're trying to get people to, again, like move down there and stuff. But that's, I think that's where you kind of run into some of these well, problems. Well, there's a wash. I mean, I think there's a, it takes time. You know, it, it, it's not going to happen overnight. I, I'm a big fan of the mayors, by, by the way, mm-hmm. um, that, that he's done that. It's a smart thing to do. You know, I, I've seen in other cities where, like, I lived in Albuquerque briefly, and they're downtown. It's not a place where um, a lot of, you know, people with income like to spend their time, strangely enough. Mm-hmm. And you know they they build their things out in, you know, into the suburbs. You know, a bigger Target, a Whole Foods, a Trader Joe. You know, they put those places. Even bars are out there. And it's like, they, they don't invest downtown. You don't see yeah. any, you don't see any small boutiques go up. You know, and they're and they're trying to sell those kind of lofts. And it's also I'm like, it's just but, but what else is down there? You know, and mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of funny. You know, but San Antonio seems to have that leg up to people. There's more culture here, I think, oh, to be yeah. seen downtown. So yeah. it's um, it's kind yeah, of funny definitely. to see that. But I think it's definitely a great idea. Yeah, there is, and I think part of the problem I think that they're trying to hurdle over is it's a, it's a generational thing more than a cultural thing because, again, like we're mentioning, like when we were young, that wasn't the cool thing to hang out. There wasn't like you didn't go downtown to see bands, you didn't go downtown to the clubs really. I mean, it's it true. was Second Gardens. You know, yeah, it wasn't a lot of that. And same thing with our parents. When our parents were young, 
from their generation, yeah, they got to go downtown on the weekends, and that's probably like their getaway and stuff. But again, part of their culture was to get away from where they grew up. So they moved out to the suburbs, and now they're out here, and they have these big yards and all this stuff. So it's they're less inclined and less, like you mentioned, they're they're getting up there in their years, and they want to kind of get back and you know. Yeah, you get, yeah, you're getting those uh, those. those uh... Empty nesters really trying to. I don't know what. I don't know what they're doing. Truth yeah. be told, they're just they're like, what are you guys doing on my floor? Yeah, <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like, and you notice now, and I mean, like I said, and, and I don't mean any of this in a negative way because it is a positive thing that's kind of going through growing pains. But um, trying to get people down there, trying to get people involved, and again, it's like I think part of the thing that you have to do at some point is is really be open to the idea of of you know not just looking at a specific group of people, a specific age group or specific educational background. It's just you have to look at it and make it, you know, A, kind of affordable to regular people. You know, like if you were to be able to say like, hey, there's this, you can move into a three-bedroom, you know, loft downtown for less, you know, half of what you live here for or whatever, and it's near a good school and it's near lots of family activities, it's near the river, it's near a lot of culture. It may be something that you're interested in. Like, yeah, I would do that. But again, like we're talking about where, you know, if you're not in the in the tax bracket where you can afford a million dollar, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollar condo, then what is there really open to you? There's not a lot of options. You know, when you're talking about mm-hmm. really living in the core, you know, because you can't really say like, oh, well, like Broadway is like downtown. Because it's not. Because you're not, unless you're riding a bike, you're not really going to walk to the Alamo from Hildebrand and Broadway. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, unless you're going for a run. And you're not going to take the whole family down. down <laughs> Always remember this: the people that are selling those condos at three and four and five hundred thousand, they bought it for a lot less, yeah. and that's what they're doing. Again, it's a build it and they will come concept. And, you know, the people that buy it, they buy it for pennies on the dollar, and they're going to wait it out. They're going to wait to see, you know, the lower offers. Or they'll wait, to, and what else happens is they start to rent them. So, is the yeah. is the structure of the city the way our city is built? Are we just perpetually in a situation where we're not going to get? You know, because like like where we're going to get those type of um, word of mouth events or things to do, because like Mario was saying, I agree with him completely where I always hear about a lot of stuff after the fact. I'm like, oh, that sounded cool. That sounds like something I would have liked to have gone to, but you don't hear about it. But then again, isn't that almost every city, you know, because when I've visited New York or I've visited, you know, Chicago or whatever city it is, it's not like there's one hangout for the whole city that everybody does together. It's not like every city has just this thing. It's sort of like, you know, just, I guess my question is how do things get popular enough where it'll become a, a constant? Cause right now, what are the, what are the things people do here with regularity, right? It's go to that, uh, the Cowboys dance hall and not yeah. that it's always cowboy music, yeah. but that dance hall is consistently, it's a Still gigantic like venue. Joint. It's a, it's a nice venue even for live music. We saw yeah. a Tiesto there, mm-hmm. right? So that was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. But then first Friday, that's a, there was a boxing match that's there a, like a month or two ago. Or boxing like yeah. at the Cowboys place, uh-huh. Cowboys dance hall. And, um, the first Friday, you know, that's, uh, I've still never been, I've yeah. still not gone. I've always wanted to, but that's something else that I haven't, I haven't been to, but yeah. you know, when we talk about, you know, our city and, and things to do, I don't know if we're even talking about it from, uh, our specific demographic and age group as far as just things we'd want to do. But mm-hmm. I feel too, like the thing about our city that I don't know if hurts us is the right wording, but the way we're just so spread out. You know, yeah. we're, we're Absolutely. never, we're well, never, we're yeah, we're yeah. never going to be that city that's central where our major population is downtown. Our major population is inside 410. It's 
spread now now living out in the hill country isn't far enough yeah. now people want to be even further away yeah. than that but have a job downtown working for whatever well, place they work for it could be different in 20 years and the only reason i look at I look at this city of denver and it's very much like san antonio and that it's a loop and people like to live inside it there's a lot of people that live outside of it but i'm sure it's that it took years to develop that you know there's just like the same way that there's um you know, the, whether it's Balcones Heights or, you know, the King Williams district, they have just those areas that everybody wants to live in. And, you know, they're very, mm-hmm. very wealthy and those kinds of things. Yeah. But um, in time, they'll fill it up. Lots changed in the last 10 years. I mean, even, yeah. you know, I think you, know, you guys have bought houses out and out. And this is, I mean, I grew up in, this, in the center of the city. So yeah. it was, you know, I'm like, God, I'm like, this is kind of far, but it's not really. Yeah. It's just in yeah. my mind it is. Well, I remember I when I moved out this way back in, you know, like, uh, what was it, like, 8th grade, so, like, 93, 94, or whatever. And I remember, you know, Henderson Pass right here. Like, if you went between here and um, and 281, there was, like, it was a cow pasture. Like, yeah. where Northwoods Theater is and, and those apartments right there, there was cows. And it was mm-hmm. just, like, fence line. And it drove down into this older neighborhood down here. But between here and there, it was a pasture. And, you you know, there was, I think, Encino Park was, like, I was, like, whoa, someone lives out there and the boonies you know but i think that's at some point where it will flip because now it's like if you do i mean and while you're here just for the just for the shits and giggles like go out up evans road or up 281 now because now you go up 281 it's not a highway anymore mm-hmm. it, it literally to go from here to tpc parkway might take you 25 minutes because it's stoplights yeah Ouch. every quarter mile there's a stoplight and it's it's no longer like it doesn't feel like you're in the hill country anymore. It feels like all it is is Target mm-hmm. and blah, 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 and Best BJ's Buy and whatever. And, and I think, BJ's you know, restaurant. There, yeah. used to be, <laughs> there used to be all these, you know, when you're going up that way towards 46, it was hills and all this stuff. And you, you might see this giant mansion up there and you're like driving with your parents like, holy yeah. shit, look at that, who lives there? And now it's like, as far as your eye can see on some of these kind of little vistas, it's just houses upon houses yeah. upon houses. Well, and, but they're, and they're affordable. Know? And that's the, yeah. that's the reason, I think even before the housing crisis, they just started putting up houses and houses. And I'm like, I'm like you need a house there for what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like 120,000, which to me, I'm just like, oh my God, like that's unheard of. Yeah. yeah. And then what I consider, this is a good sized city. Yeah. You know, most places I'm like, they don't even start, you know, three is, is bare bone. Mm. You know, I'm like, wow. well, then I could see why people move all the way out there. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's affordable. And I think at some point though, people will get, you know, even if, if, and if that stays affordable, I think at some point you just kind of, I think people get tired and that, and that was the initial like reason for kind of like the, the suburban exodus back in the day was that people were you know, quote, quote, escaping from something, or they were trying to get somewhere else. And you're trying to get away from whether it was crime, perception of crime, or trying to, you know, I'm I'm using quotes, air quotes for people that are listening, like, (laughs) you know, bettering yourself or whatever it was that people thought that was. School districts. Yeah. It's always, it's always, you know, yeah. Whatever that was. And now it's like, it's like traffic everywhere you go. Like it's, it's traffic and it's like this mask. You can't go to the store. You can't go to H-E-B without like being, in this like line with 40 people and it's mm-hmm. becoming that stress that's kind of taking the place of what you were trying to escape from which was like i want to go out you know people always say like you move out to the country and get some peace of mind and like you know watch the stars and you can't do that out here now yeah because it's well it's i mean i don't think it, i think you know we're we're headed that way i think as a country yeah you know but um it's, it's funny you mentioned the school district park you know it's you know it's i can send my kids to a better school and or our home is more affordable, our taxes are lower. Um, one of the unique things in San Antonio that I noticed when I left years ago was that San Antonio has, I don't know how many number of school districts, 
I think they had, you know, an outrageous number of school districts. Whereas, yeah. like, if you go to Austin or if you go to Boston, they have one. And I mean one. Because they wow. pool all of the taxes in the same school district, but it, it, served, it, 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 was, um, it serves the entire city. Where San Antonio hand-selects, nope, you guys go here, so the money stays in this neighborhood. Yeah. We're going to put up this neighborhood out in this neighborhood. The money's going to stay here. We're not going to send it to the kids that go to South San. You know, those mm. kind of things. And, and then and you start to see people assemble in many cities. Like the people that shop at La right. Quintera and that live in that side of town, they stay there because now there's a grocery store and yeah, a McDonald's and need. a Walmart and it's all out there. So it's why here. drive to the northeast side of town? Because you have the exact same thing that you have at the rim on thirty five and well, four ten and sixteen oh four. Twenty minutes to go to the grocery store. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got everything it kind of a repeat. There's kind of a if you go to the the rim side, if you go to La Quintera, mm-hmm. if you go to the Forum, you have a repeat of many little mini cities. Oh, and then the North Star area, it's all a basic a reflection of itself in our in our town. So right. everybody just kind of stays in those general areas. Well, that and whole area too. of the Northwest, is, it's like every, every what it seems like, every 10 miles or even less, well, probably like five miles is another HEB or a Walmart. Right. And, it's, and they're right across the street from each other. And then you just go down a little bit further to the next major, major intersection and boom, you've got them repeated again. And you've got the same restaurants in that area too. But it's because those areas can serve that economic structure for that one area. So that mm-hmm. so that Walmart or that HEB can serve that area, and they don't have to worry about it, you know, being killed by one down the road. I don't know who competes yeah. with HEB around here, but nobody, nobody no does. One. Walmart <laughs> does here. probably. You know, you can thank us for that HEB. HEB. There's no competition. <laughs> killed them all. Killed my Albertsons. Oh. Kroger. Handy Andy. Handy Andy. <laughs> Albertsons like that. It was Wings. high class though. Fiesta, Fiesta is still kicking. I just saw Fiesta like back places. in my back in my home uh, Southside so area. Go get your Lenguat. <laughs> oh man, now I'm gonna get hungry. And John, Johnny's <laughs> chamoy and nasty pickle stuff. pickle stuff. I send it back with me. But I, I'm not. It just seems like at just some point there just has to be a, a breaking point where people and who knows when that when that will come, when people kind of just get tired of that you know of those carbon copies you know because even now that makes like you're bringing up that makes it harder for even us to interact because now you know you live out by the forum now yeah you used to live out by bandera and like it was like it was like a thing right as for us as a group you know like where nick lives out there to where you live now like yeah. you know, you're talking about different sides of the freaking yeah. city but at the same like time so if we, were to, if we were to be like you know let's go to restaurant x by my house you're like well there's one down the street from my house there's one down the street from Nick's house, so it's like. Let me ask you: you know, if they if they threw in a light rail and you get there faster without any worry, would would you would would you feel better about it? Probably. And that's, I mean, and, but, that's what, and that's what that's what's coming next. And people are fighting. That, yeah, that's what, but, that, like, but that's what they're they're bringing. You know, even Denver now is getting their light rail, which a lot of people take. And the only thing that like you know, I'm like, and I'm I, truth be told, I've never been big on even when I lived in Boston. I took the T like ten times in five years. You know, it just I just you know I'm just I didn't have to really, but. um it's true. Like if, instead of sitting in, you know, 20, 40 minute traffic, or if you guys want to go to the Spurs game as opposed to even, even the via parking ride, forget about it. If you had the light rail, boom, yeah. you're down there five bucks and you're in and out. And it, th- those th- with the population growing, it's coming. It'll yeah. get, it'll, it'll take 10 years. Well, I know they're building the trolley up. system again now down, uh, downtown. But they're that's awesome. Season, aren't they? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is that they're trying to, to fix things in certain ways. And there's so many other ways to fight it, that it just delays it forever. Fight it, is, fight it because what? Money. Right. Exactly. I think the the I don't know if it Properties was the light rail thing or light rail thing or the trolley thing, but it was part of it was through Via, I think. Yeah. And they were saying that the money that's allocated for you know Via's expansion and stuff isn't that doesn't fit under it. 
So you can't use that money that they have for expansion and whatever infrastructure. You can't use it for the trolley or for the light rail because it wasn't. They'll, they'll, yeah, they'll have to come up with a new bond or something yeah. like that. You know, but the funny thing is, um, when you see a city like Los Angeles, it does has terrible tra public transportation, oh, yeah. or you don't want to take it. Um, and it's miserable to, to live in Los Angeles. He, me and Mike were visiting out there. So this is, I mean, we were out, we were in traffic for two hours going. And that that's unbelievable. There's nothing that could get me to live out there and and have a car or do public transportation because and i remember when we left la i thought i will never complain about san antonio's traffic again no. because just and it wasn't like we were driving through rush hour time no, or it, I think was, it, it was 11 30 at night it was 11 30 at yeah. night and it took us two hours to get from one spot to another that Jesus. was probably only 15 20 miles yeah, from that. each other if that that's probably a, a stretch and it was just general traffic and then if there's construction or stuff going on forget it you're not going anywhere but and one of my favorite things about traveling in certain big cities is being able like in london taking the tube to mm -hmm. get from place to place mm -hmm. you know or taking the l in chicago San Francisco, and chicago, buying those passes and stuff like that i do really love the idea of not needing a car not because it's you know uh for green reasons although that that's a nice benefit but just the the concept of like you know traveling like even to new zealand um just walking everywhere mm -hmm. in like two weeks i felt myself lose like seven pounds yeah. i felt a, a big uh like a pop in my step and I felt more energetic and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that's also one of the things that helps people that live in really overpopulated cities thrive is that at least they feel that extra energy because you look at New Yorkers and the majority walk of that everywhere. city walks, right? Oh yeah. They, they walk, walk or they take the subway walks. everywhere. And, and there's something great about that is knowing every time you wake up, you've got to walk out of your place by a certain amount of time. But part of your journey every day is, you're going to be walking two to 10,000 or 20,000 steps every day. And mm -hmm. every time I've traveled and gone through that, I feel great. Like when I come back to San Antonio for about a week or two, you know, I feel the benefits of yeah. that exercise, that it, that mandatory exercise. And once it goes away and I get back used to using my car to get everywhere in the city, you know, even if it's from one spot to another. And San Antonio is, we, we are absolutely crazy about getting those close parking spots you'll yeah. just see cars doing oh, circles yeah. waiting for the parking spot instead of just going the first available and walk i mean we are absolutely against so, is this another get fit san antonio message another i mean i don't know it's just what i observe and maybe <laughs> yeah, no, from, and maybe from a very thin lens but you know I, that's kind of the stuff that i think hurts general morale as a city and mm -hmm. why you see people in bad moods is lack of energy and i just yeah. not it's also just really hot here all the time. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Or freezing truth, truth the next be told, day. I mean, that's why I don't visit in the summer. I'm like, I can't. I don't know how I grew up here. Really, I'm yeah. so miserable. <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing that I've been here the whole time because I think I function worse in heat than any anybody here. Like, I just I can't handle it. And Johnny knows. I'm grow already feeling the sweat. Really, I make it humid here. I'm just like I'm like God, I'm not used to this. Johnny grew up coming over to my house on the weekends and uh, ice cold. Place. I had I had a. In my bedroom, I had uh, one of those. Window my, unit. Yeah, I had a window yeah. unit, but yeah, my mom put me towards the window <laughs> unit, not him. And my mom, my mom put in my room instead of the living room. I got the uh, the AC unit that had the. It was like the one that's meant to cool like four rooms. Yeah, it was supposed to be the main house one, but we put it in my room because I wanted it so it could be extra cold. And so yeah. at night, you know, I'd put it on like super high, low cold, right and... down my throat. Wake <laughs> <laughs> up and I'm all hoarse. But that was heaven for me. That was like pure icebox heaven, God. and. Uh, well, yeah. you know, like in Denver, I, uh, I, I, I ran my air conditioner two times last summer, mm. uh, and uh, I haven't, I, I, and I don't run my, I don't run my, uh, my heater at all. Really? Nice. I, I, and the only reason I ran it because I had people over for Fourth of July, and I think one other day, oh, uh, Cinco de Mayo. 
That was the only time I never run my I never huh. run my uh, my air conditioner because it's just you open the door. There's no humidity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the big thing. That's it's nice. not even the heat. It's, it's the humidity. It's humidity. Humidity. Well, see, I can't it kills you. And that's the thing about humidity is that that's why people don't walk. Like, that's very like, true. <laughs> like a good example I, for yeah, those start, that don't know, I start sweaty. Yes. Yes. start sweaty. Yeah. Like, it's disgusting. Oh, like, it is. It's I, awful. I felt it was it was so awakening slash shame shaming for me. Like we spent a couple years ago, we went to uh, we spent a week up in Boulder. And that was, was like, awesome. I fell in love with it. But it was like, I felt like I'm like, not even looking at people's faces. I'm like, everyone has beautiful legs. Like everyone <laughs> Denver is a very healthy city. I mean, I'm, I'm training for my first triathlon for next month, for God's sakes. It just, wow. they, 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 they snag you. And um, it's like, it's, it's like if you don't, you feel like an alien there if you don't yeah. do something healthy So you're or weird. getting high on your own supply and you're training <laughs> in Denver. This is true. No, no, it's so true. I mean, people, they, you know, God, I always remember when I first got there, the first thing I remember, um, it wasn't even legal yet, but I mean, everybody had it. Um, I went to the ballets to work out and in the morning, and I walk in the locker room, it smells like weed. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then the other one, driving home, and, I, and now I work close to home, but driving home, uh, you know, and, and the, the, the go home traffic, there's weed, smells like weed all over the highway. <laughs> it's just so out ex- there. Explain, explain the exact law of what's allowed in, in the state and what and how the federal law applies to that. Well, the federal law has just basically been ignored, as I understand it. it will be, uh, the Obama administration said we're not going to prosecute any, um, any, any, the federal law in any, in any way. Okay. Now, marijuana is legal for sale. Now, it has, you have to have a license. And so mm, the to pe- sell it? Yes. Yeah. So like the medicinal people that were already making it medicinally, they had to apply for a license like as of last year to sell it um, without, without, you know, to, to anybody. Um, and everybody who didn't do that is doing that now. So, you know, it's, it's going like hotcakes. I think they've made like 12 million bucks already in taxes, just in taxes, you know, <laughs> just in taxes. Oh yeah. It's going like hotcakes. I mean, it's, um, it's so, out there. So it, get fit San Antonio and get high. Well, you, well, you, well, you know, what's funny <laughs> the about taxes. it, honestly, I, I mean, again, I'm not, I don't think of myself as an expert on it, but I mean, there hasn't really, I don't see any social consequence to it. Yeah. It's, you know, I think people get high at home and that's what they do. Yeah, and you know it's um, not saying I don't smell it on the street or do it, but I, I just don't see it as any kind of social consequence. It's like, what's the big deal? If anything, I just think it chills everybody out. Yeah, the, so, stig- uh, the stigma is just that it's been made illegal, and so it puts people on one side of the fence well, versus well, another. Yeah, well, the true. other part too is that now people get really good stuff, and it's actually really. Inex- I think we you know, get like I don't know, it was a quarter of a gram for like twenty bucks, whatever it was. You know. Um, you know, you get, and and not to mention, they have you know hundreds of flavors. So it's like going and you I mean, it's like it's like you know when you go buy <laughs> like tea. a Baskin Robbins. Yeah, absolutely, even more. You know, <laughs> thirty-one thousand. Yeah, flavors. you get the stuff that does this and stuff that does that. There's edibles that does this. I mean, I, again, I'm I'm not real. I don't really, I don't, I don't smoke out or anything much. I, you know, so it's, but I'm like, wow, you know, it's it's a good business. Yeah, it seems. yeah. And so and people all that dig stuff, it. And this is where I can get behind it because I'm the same way. I don't, I've never used it, but. What's useful about it? <laughs> that but the thing is, so, so like they're like everything they sell there is that all grown in the states? Correct. See, that has to I, be, and that's what I can get behind because that's where, and I think that's where you have a good argument for legalizing stuff because I mean that's that's how you defeat a black well, market is by legalizing well, something. The Mexican you, cartels you know, must be furious. You know, yeah. it's um, the thing. The thing about it, I think, I'm, I'm waiting for the big study to come out that marijuana is actually healthier than cigarettes. That's the mm-hmm. one I'm waiting because we because they're not the yeah. stuff they're growing is they grow it you know they engineer it agriculturally whereas you know what is it all the shit they put in a cigarette yeah yeah yeah, 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 has, yeah uh, exactly you know I'm just waiting for that one to come out and they're like well fuck that I'll just start smoking <laughs> yeah so it's you know 
But again, I mean, they have stuff that, like, you know, again, I always thought, like, wow, it makes you sleepy, and, you know, so I don't dig that. But then they have, like, oh, they have this, oh, it has sativa. I'm like, you're all lucid. I'm like, whoa. You know, like, oh, that sounds interesting. So, I mean, I mean, there are places, I mean, it's the size, supposedly, the size of a Walmart. There's one, like, literally across the street from my house. It's downtown. Oh, wow. You know, and you go down, and it's like, you know, hey, you know, everybody's all happy. You know, but uh, what, it's right next to a sandwich shop. What will San Antonio get first, legalized marijuana or an NFL team? NFL team. Well, you're, mm. if you legalize marijuana, you could probably end up paying for the NFL with a new dome. You should go to education. That's what all the money's going in, in Colorado. Most of it's going to education. Yeah. So, that's well, a good idea. kind of jumping back to the whole San Antonio and walking thing. Uh, for those that know, I live in uh, shirts now, and I live right down the street from the, the Blue Bonnet Palace. I don't know if anybody's heard of that place. It's it's mostly Is that a men's club. No, it's mostly like, like a country <laughs> men's club. It's mostly like a country bar. <laughs> But it's it's a huge venue. Like I wouldn't say it's a large, large venue like a dome or anything like that. But it's a good, a good medium size. Like Josabi's out in Holotus, uh, probably even just a little bit bigger than that. And uh, last weekend I went for the first time to see the Spasmatics. And I, as I was leaving my house to drive, literally two minutes, I was like, you know, maybe I should walk this. And I'm like, fuck that, dude. I'm not gonna walk this. I'm overweight. Just taking your razor scooter. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> does anybody ride razor scooters? No, you got a Parkway. You used to take Shirts Parkway, man. Yeah, well, and that's it, what that's I did. A straight shot all the well, way yeah. down. You, you know my biggest reason for doing any of that shit? I'm too afraid to get hit by a car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll see, and that's the thing. You're passing. And I bite. You know, I'm not, I mean, I'm doing shit. I'm like, fuck that. I see people get run over. Well, I'm, and, and, I'm terrified to jog in my own neighborhood right here. Well, I was going to ask you. Yeah, because like, okay, it's a busy area. Gotta have to find a track. No, at night, at morning, early morning, yes, and at night you can, but. Because these these roads are wide enough, but I just mean in general. Like seriously, even if you jog at Penderson Pass, it's got a designated bike lane. Oh, and you yeah. see joggers people running all the time. You, but people still <laughs> yeah. get hit. I don't know, if, Rick. Did you see that car that was inside the oh, that's the, I, the I brick was telling, uh, on the side of the road? Day. We were driving down this pass, and he's like, "Oh, these are these condos." I'm like, "No, they're neighborhoods, and they're actually pretty nice houses." And they, right. You know, I said the only problem with living on Henderson Pass is that every week somebody plows straight through some those brick walls. Oh, yeah. Brick walls. Oh my like, god. I mean, it's windy, but it's not that I mean I, I'm assuming people that are drinking or whatever yeah but at street. nighttime I hear people winding up their cars at the light right here and getting their races going because of the little chicanes yeah you mm. know in the in the winding part of it I don't know how cops don't yeah just, right here stay and there wait. and just make money and I, I, I always mean, think about that because it's I think it's 35 right here and I, I, I always go up and down here yeah it's 35 you know during or, the course of a normal day sober and it's hard to go 35 I'm going 45 50 right. and I'm always like if busted. I was a cop, I would just be sitting there on one of those side roads. But you're you're a dreamy driver, though. You kind of you days in and out. That's only when I'm with somebody. When people are oh, talking yeah, to me, true. and you get me all worked up, and I'm like, no, 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 I'm with you. You like you start driving slower. I'm like, oh my god, we're on the highway. I'm talking. I'm chatting. Going 30 miles an hour. No. Anyway, so that totally ruined my my transition to talk about the spasmatics. So we're just gonna plow right through it anyway. You're talking about walking. Yes, well, walking to the spasmatics. Scooter down. So it was my first time seeing the spasmatics, and I realized that they're one of those things that really can separate people. As a musician going, it hurt my heart, because for those who don't know, it's a franchise business where we have our own Texas regional version of the spasmatics, and there's another one in another region, and different people, same outfits, same songs, same everything. It's all backtracked. There was even a portion where they did... uh, they did a uh, tribute to uh, Queen. They did uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. And during the operatic portion, they all put down their instruments and pretended to do other stuff while the actual <laughs> song just played in the background. Uh, so it's and part then of when the it shtick. Back, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is that everybody's going nuts. 
and they love it. I mean, there was hundreds of people there. Every and anybody who knows about the spasmatics and and that particular venue knows that you get your tickets early or you don't get in. They've turned people away even with tickets. The parking is ridiculous, and it's for a, a, essentially a tribute band. It's essentially a a karaoke experience. But it, it sounds like a it sounds like the like a rock band version of pop. Yeah, like where you go here. Miley Cyrus or Bieber or whoever these people are. But is it like a, what, what kind of music? But it's all 80s. Doing it. These guys are all 80s. So they, they only play 80s tributes or covers or whatever you want to call it. They they only do 80s music. And they'll talk about 70s or 60s just to make a nod to it. And and then they'll jump right back into the 80s. But it's all, like I said, it's all backtracked. A friend was there and they're like, oh, I love these guys. They're awesome. They sound just like the originals. And I'm like, do you see a keyboard player up there? They're like, no. And I'm like, but you hear the keyboard, right? And they're like, oh how's that happening? And I'm like, that's for people that aren't musicians. They don't catch that. They don't, they may not realize that that's what's going on while there's other people that are in the crowd. And they're like, wait a second. That's, I don't hear, <laughs> I don't see a cowbell player. Well, it's how you can fill an entire stadium with uh, a pop star holding a microphone. Yeah. And there's no band in the back and you hear music and yet all 35, 40,000 people are screaming and loving it. They're not, oh, yeah. they're not like booing. Yeah, they're not, they're not, yeah, yeah, they're not booing. Yeah. Well, and now they're we not even, booing about we it. We even now expect lip syncing. People don't get in well, trouble for it anymore. You're not just getting live, they're not paying for necessarily a performance, what they're paying for is more of the an experience. Yeah. 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 And that's true. And that's something that I noticed with spasmatics. Like I said, there were people there that were from 18 years of age to people that were in their 60s, and everybody was singing at the top of their lungs. You know, or milling around or getting drinks or whatever, but they were all there and they were all paying customers and they were all enjoying it. And there was a portion where the guy said, who's here to see us for the first time? And half of the place went, yeah, who's been here before? Yeah, the other half. I mean, it's it's like when I go see Monday Night Raw and, you know, I'm a big fan. I go nuts. I'm nuts having a great time on Monday Night Raw. And people are like, isn't wrestling fake? I'm like... It's entertainment, and that's exactly. Cool. I didn't yeah, remember being entertained. It's a soap opera. So then, so then, here's the thing. Here's what. Here's what I kind of struggled with. Was thinking was, and they are a franchise, and I don't know how much of a how much money they actually get as individual musicians. But let's say that they did get something substantial enough to, quote unquote, sell out. Is it really selling out at that point? I mean, uh, if somebody I, were to come I, to me and I, say, "Hey, I, I want I, you to be in a I, '90s I, cover I've been, band," I've been, I've been in show business a long time, and it's uh, show money. Yeah, you know, so I don't even know what selling out really and, and is. And coming from the point where I am now, I'm I'm going to be 35 on Friday, actually, in two days. Old. I'll be 35 years old. Older today. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Gray in your beard. And I have a and I have a 17 month old, and I visit friends that have, and I lose. I guess not friends. Uh, what's what's below friends i know people <laughs> yes i know people associates that i go to their house and it's they've got a, two tvs outside one wrapped up in plexiglass to protect from the rain they've got a pool they've got a jacuzzi they've got an a fireplace outside that looks like there was a house there and everything went away except for the fireplace yeah and that's yeah, yeah. just there in the yard and i like those and i'm like how did they how did they do that and it's like oh well this guy sells cars i'm like that's like the to me. That's one of the worst things. I hate dealing with those people, and yet this guy, you know, if I want to say he sold out or whatever, he's banking. And the spasmatics, if that's what they're doing, if they're quote unquote selling out or whatever, they might they could be banking. So I think what you're what you're trying to figure out is like the acceptability the, the, of the nobility of being 
because I know you're big into the local music scene. You want to see mm-hmm. San Antonio's music scene rise. Right. So you're talking about the nobility of starting, you know, a three or four piece band where there's a legitimate drummer, guitarist, bassist, mm-hmm. vocalist, maybe a multi-instrumentalist, somewhere between those three guys or four guys. And they pay their dues. They play the local clubs. They get people to notice them. They get social media popularity and they start moving up the ladder and hope one of those 500 bands in the city break through and get a hit on the you know national terrestrial radio and find a way to come through and you're feeling like maybe a band like a cover band a franchised i didn't know they were franchised until today but a franchised band like the spasmatics are providing entertainment so i think the thing is the people that want to go see radiohead and pearl jam or nine inch nails or tool or whoever live Mm -hmm. are not the same people that are going to see that unless they're like rick said someone bought the ticket for them or they're dragged in there by their girlfriend or their boyfriend dragged them and so they wanted to go see that as well and i think the more people's uh, spectrums are open to different types of entertainment because you know i grew up a fan of wrestling too as just an example and you know uh, my cousin anthony and i we just watched wrestlemania here uh which i hadn't done in a really long time i hadn't watched it and i knew exactly what i was watching and that entertainment factor is still there. It's amazing mm-hmm. to me how after being so – I wouldn't even say I'm a casual fan anymore. I just If I happen to be flipping the TV and I catch it, I'll watch 10 minutes of it and then go back to whatever I was doing. Whereas yeah. like Anthony is still very much a fan, and I let him kind of re-educate me on all the big matchups and what the hype was. And um, you know, a very different thing to watch than like boxing or, or MMA, which are mm-hmm. you know some interesting topics for the future. Oh, yeah, you sports. Know, yeah. Yeah, they are. And and there's there's real stakes where, you know, the basic premise of wrestling if, you know, to take the take the uh wizard out of the curtain behind the curtain is those matches are predetermined. It's a right. predetermined thing just like having a back a backing track for a performance is a predetermined thing that these songs will be played with this backing track and those guys are just jumping yeah. around. Yeah, exactly. And that brings up that brings up another thing like one of Johnny's um I guess I'll say hobby because music is a hobby for me too. Although Johnny's actually performed as as a DJ, and a lot of people that don't know the DJ scene, that don't understand it, a lot of them think, well, yeah, what's so true. special about getting up there with these turntables or now digital, you know, playlists and just clicking play? But you got the headphones on and it looks like you're doing stuff and you're just twisting knobs. That Johnny, that's a, that's something fun you could kind of jump yeah, in real quick. Well, you know, it was funny last summer. I haven't DJed since last summer. I played this big party, it was a huge party. Uh, I had an hour and a half set, and I had, and I was in a lineup with about six other DJs. Now I was now lucky me. Uh, the way I got into it, one of my good friends in Boston, uh, Kevin Tebow, he was an amazing, amazing, amazing DJ, big deal back uh, back west. And of course, he had a lot of friends that were DJs, and so they're the ones that taught me to DJ. Now mm-hmm. they taught me in in nightclubs. You know, do you do this? You oh, I opened for them. You know, and this, these are the rules. This is how you do it. They they taught me a craft, and the craft yeah. wasn't just playing it wasn't just a technique it's it's connecting with your audience it's understanding the pulse you know your your job as a dj is number one is to keep them dancing if they stop you failed <laughs> and so go drop off a, off a cliff now how to do so is you have to pay attention to them you know a you spend a lot of time listening to music obviously right what's going on what's current or what's a vibe and as a dj you learn to find your own vibe but one thing i found with these guys when i was djing last summer these guys just must spend a lot of time just kind of putting their tunes together in their room and then they play with their friends and that's about it. And when you hmm. DJ at a nightclub, the audience has no mercy. You right. know, it's if, if, if you dropped them, you better pick them up fast or they're going to let you know. Yeah. And hmm. they didn't care that people kind of stopped, that they kept killing every song between. They kept killing them. Like, 
they, they go back and forth. I'm like, you know, and, and like, I try not to be, I try not to criticize other DJs. I really don't, because everybody has their own style, style of form. Yeah. But I'm like, they were, you know, they were just, you know, I could tell nobody had taught them this is how it works in a nightclub. This mm-hmm. is what you do. You know, you that your responsibility is to, is to them, not to your playlist. Not to, it's not so you can record it and make you feel like you put it together. If, if you didn't have them dancing, you failed. And so, as a DJ, um, there. That's why I still think there. Are, that's why there are music producers and there are DJs. And I love, you know, I love some of the music that Calvin Harris or their Dead Mouse produce, but they're not DJs. When they go to perform, they're putting on a concert. A mm-hmm. real DJ, Paul Oakenfold, still performs as a DJ in nightclubs, not at the uh, Verizon Amphitheater. That the, he he goes and listens to whatever he's listening to and what's what's current, and he feels what the vibe of the crowd is doing, and that's what he plays. It's not set every night. And granted, they play certain songs, you know, because they're hot. But a real DJ finds the pulse, finds the soul, and there there it's uh, there's a connection between the audience and the DJ, right. and that's and that's the energy, not just like a show up and you know play, and that that's the difference between and see that real DJ that would have been one of my first. Uh, misconceptions is that the DJs are even looking at what the crowd's doing. I always assume that they're in their own space, they're in their own little world, and they're, you know, I think maybe you got 10 years ago, I used to, when I would see DJs playing nightclub and stuff like that, I always thought it was fascinating how you could literally see them with their hands flipping through records. Mm -hmm. You would see, and I could tell enough about what they were doing, because I'm one of those guys, when I go to a show uh, for music or a concert, I'm always paying attention to the technical stuff as much as yeah. I'm fine-tuned listening to the music that I'm hearing. And I'll even judge a venue on how good the bass resonance sounds and how good, you know, the if any of the treble clips and distorts at the top of its end, if it's bright and crisp. And so I would watch DJs play and I would notice how one record spinning, they had the, they had half of the headphone on so they could hear what's currently audible to the crowd. And mm-hmm. then the other half is they're testing, am I going to use this record to blend in for my next they're transition? Be- they're and, beat matching. And then they would mm. change their mind. They'd be like, no. And I would literally watch him pull the record off, put it back in this little sleeve, sure. flip, flip, flip. And then you could watch him organically trying to figure <laughs> out, you know, what's going to go next. And I always thought that was so fascinating. And so, of course, um, the digital age has really changed a lot of people that believe in organic music like a lot of us do mm-hmm. into how much we appreciate some of the work that these guys do like uh have you guys ever seen the documentary sound city mm-hmm. no it's not yet. phenomenal you, it, anybody that likes music on any level should that's watch the, the dave Grohl one. yes that's uh dave Grohl uh, uh directed and did this this documentary about how digital pro tools the mm-hmm. the digital recording software basically put an end to you know, the integrity of the music we hear because now anybody can grab a laptop and start making music and, and do yeah. pretty yeah. much anything that's going to sound sugary and sweet and, you know, accessible. As, as a DJ on that part, because believe me, in the DJ world, there are a lot of people that, you know, I, I, I DJ on a laptop. However, I was taught on two CDJs how to beat match, how to do that. The only reason I use a laptop because that's where all the music is stored. And even my mentor has switched over because this is great. Now I don't have to focus on all this other crap. I can focus on the audience. I can focus on uh, on technique and a lot of other things. And, you know, there are a lot of guys that are still vinyl-only guys and, you know, they can wax on about this and wax off about DJs that use... In my opinion, and Paul Van, Paul Van Dyke um, is a big shot DJ. He always said this, as long as they're dancing and you got your tune, that's all that matters. Your audience lets you know whether you're doing it right or wrong. Yeah. You know, the, the DJs that will wax about this and wax about that. In the end, if you have your tune, if you have your vibe, you have your audience, you're doing it right. Well, and one thing my, my cousin Marcus, he, who's a DJ here in San Antonio, um, he told me a, couple, a few years ago, and, I was, and he was right. He said, take your laptop, put it down. Get it out because you spend a lot of time looking at your laptop. If it's if it's right in front of you, mm-hmm. put it down so you can't see it, and you look, spend your time looking at the audience. And it's and I did that a few yeah. years ago, and it's huge. 
And that <laughs> you spend your time seeing what are they doing? How are they reacting? As opposed to, oh, this is what's on my playlist, and I have to, you know, yeah. no, 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 ditch it. You know, pay attention to them. See, and it's interesting you say that because then, because then, really putting that back into the spasmatics portion, they had everybody on their feet. I mean, they really were entertaining, and like I said, as a musician going in, I was hurt because I was like, "This isn't, uh, this isn't right." But from an entertainment perspective, I love karaoke, and that's pretty much what it was. It was just <laughs> mass karaoke, and uh, I, I thought it was thoroughly enjoyable. But uh, kind of going into, into that idea just a little bit longer, I know we kind of as an aside, we wanted to mention covers. Um, being coming off of a big old '80s tribute cover thing. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna have to go last on this, Rick. I'll, I'll defer to you first for some of your favorite covers. I don't even know yet. I'll let Mike go first. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Pass it around. That's, go around that that's awesome. Um, I've been enthralled. You so. have to educate me here. Well, well, again, just you know, a, a cover is basically you know uh, any any band of any. It doesn't matter if it's a known band or a local band mm-hmm. that has their specific set of songs that they created for themselves. And then they will do a cover of a song everybody universally knows. So basically, like in Wayne's World, when he starts playing Stairway to Heaven, and they're like, no, Stairway Denied. It's the most popular cover of its time where everybody tried to learn how to play that song, and then bands would try to play it live. And so today, the, the thing is, you know, what are some of the best covers, and how do you judge what a good cover is? Is it that the band can replicate the cover to sound near identical vocals and all to what you heard? Or is it somebody that can take that vocal and you hear the actual music, Mm -hmm. but it's been changed or altered in such a way that does the song an amazing homage, you know? Like a remix. Yeah, like a remix. See, this is where, you you know, I have to flail here. I'm not, it's not that I don't, Mike gives me crap on this, but I do, I I mean, I know the dance music scene very, very well. You know, I'm not, I'm not a, I don't spend my time listening to a lot of rock music. I love rock. He knows I do. You know, I'm a big Nine Inch Nails fan. I love those. I love Tool. I love those kind of things. But I spend my time in electronic dance. So I, you asked me for a cover. I'm like, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Well, let's take some Nine Inch Nails examples. Uh, they did Physical, which I think was originally a Queen. Uh, Adamant. Adamant. Okay. Oh, they, but they did a cover. They, they did, did a uh, Get Down, Make Love. Yes. Okay, which so there's two covers cover. right there yeah. of Nine Inch Nails that, okay. that they've done. There's some good mentions. And then Johnny Cash did a cover of Nine yes. Inch Nails. Hurt. That, that I would did probably, hear that. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, and Trent even said, after hearing Johnny Cash's version, it's his song now. Right. I mean, that to me, that's exactly what a cover should be. Um, one to throw out here that's totally not anybody that... that most people would have heard, but somebody that I'm totally infatuated with right now, uh, Black Lab, did a cover of a song uh, called Your Ghost, and it was originally done by some 90s, uh, I don't even think she was on anybody's radar at all in the 90s, but uh, it's a really random cover, and they totally did their own version of it, and they really owned it, Um, so if anybody can check it out, Black Lab, Your Ghost, uh, that's, like I said, not a famous one, but um, one that I've always loved, and it's always been near and dear to me as just a Guns N' Roses fan, was uh, their version of uh, Live and Let Die, which was originally, uh, was it the Beatles or was it just... It was uh, uh, like Wings. Wings, right, yeah. Their version's a lot better. Who's <laughs> Wings? Wings sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that's funny funny stuff like that, too, growing up. It's a up. James Bond song, too, on top of that. Oh, really? Growing yeah. up? That's what they, oh, that's they right. made what it's for. I had, uh, I had no music exposure. It was whatever I went and discovered for myself, you mm-hmm. know, because unless I was going to let myself listen to Tahano, which was all available to me <laughs> in the family, I really had no other exposure. And so a lot of songs I grew up with thinking, oh, that's a Guns N' Roses song. Yeah. Live yeah. and Let Die is Guns N' Roses song, oh, yeah. you know, and I had to find out later, oh, that's a cover, you know, and when I heard, you know, uh, 
Paul McCartney singing. And I was like, wait, whose song is this? <laughs> yeah. You know, well, what's yeah. the other song? Remember on the remember that Replicants album that uh, Ken Andrews did and Maynard was on it and uh, what's his name, Greg Edwards? Uh-huh. That it was like a it was a little cover EP, and they did. Uh, a cover of silly long uh, silly love songs yeah yeah and i'd never i didn't associate the two because their version is so different it's good it's kind of like you know darker and then one day i heard like the paul mccartney version which i didn't know was the real version i'm like this song sucks <laughs> i mean it doesn't suck it's just not the kind of song i i dig you know what i mean it's just it wasn't it wasn't my thing i'm not a big paul mccartney fan anyways but. well and uh now that i've heard pearl Jam do last kiss and i've heard him do mm, pink floyd's yeah. mother you know stuff like that is incredible especially when you see big bands still do covers like oh, I've, yeah. I've i love that you rarely see you know the the big boys do covers so when they do them live uh that's kind of an amazing treat because you can tell that hey they're actually fans of music like we yeah, are you right. know i feel like if i was in a real band i would feel like compelled to play at least one or two covers every night and it'd always be a different one like if you've ever googled smashing pumpkins how many covers they've done it's oh, incredible yeah. how many awesome. covers they have played live like mm-hmm. their version of landslide phenomenal oh, phenomenal not as good as dixie chicks but oh, oh God, come I on hate the dixie chicks version what no, oh, Rick, Rick has a Sarah Rick has the biggest crush on the, the it's not a crush I, she's my me and Jeff were texting today and I said if, if still on Dixie Chicks I said if if you could pick any whatever you consider famous or successful singer to sing the song make up a song about your life who would it be Oh, that's a good. And my topic my, to my answer was Natalie Maines. Wow, that was it was Natalie Maines and Chuck Regan. Natalie Imbruglia? What? No, it was Natalie wow. Maines from Dixie Chicks or Chuck Regan from Hot Water Music. I gotta go with BB King on that one. Yeah, yeah. As far as what? <laughs> if I was to pick a guy, if I was to pick a guy to do oh, like, oh, like, gotcha. like, you, gotcha. why? Yeah. why, why, why? <laughs> gotta go with BB King on that one. No, that's that's awesome. That's fantastic. Man. I'm trying to think of a cover. Failure, couple... failure. I mentioned this last time. Failure's yeah. uh, cover oh, yeah. of Depeche Mode's Enjoy the Silence. That's one of the best uh, covers that's not meant to sound like the original, but mm-hmm. does it a phenomenal justice that it turns it into its own song on its own. It's pretty incredible. That's one of my other favorite covers. Um, we mentioned uh, Ma- Marilyn Manson a few episodes back. Sweet Dreams. Sweet, Sweet Dreams. Yeah. And, uh, I like that song. That's a spell on you. No, I do, but... too. I, I, I don't like Marilyn Manson's <laughs> I know, band. I, I still think that song's awesome. No, I, that is a great cover. I, and that, I don't know. Well, I put a spell on you as well. We were young when it came out. but I, It I totally still holds the that. test of time. That's still a legit cover. Oh, and yeah. another example, I don't. I'm, I can't remember if I'd heard the original before I heard that song. I really, really? I can't. Yeah. Well, no, okay. had to. I'm not sure. Wow. Funny. Okay, so I'll dive into it. So one of my little things that I spin into once in a while when I'm, when I'm Oh, no, I knew is, it. That's I Eurythmics? Have, yeah. yeah. Sorry. I, okay, I had heard it. Never no, well, I, I have to say this, you lost your 80s card. No, my bad. I'd, I'd heard I it. I go into this thing where I do a Sweet Dreams. It's, late. It's, it, I, it's like a, my own remix of <laughs> four different it? Sweet Dreams songs where it's like the original Sweet Dreams and mm-hmm. one that's like the Paul Van Dyke remix. Then it's like the, the Eminem one and then it's like this other one. I mean, it's just like this whole oh, blend. Nice. People, but people... I do it because it's a crowd pleaser. Oh yeah, people love that song. Like it's, it's a it's, great. Track. If it's, it's a little powerful. dry, and I could tell, that, I could tell they're wanting to listen a little bit more. You know, from to feel that retro, I throw that in there. There they go again. It gets the That's floor cool. warm again. So it's. And it's I and I'd be remiss beat. if if I didn't mention. Uh, well, of course, I put a spell on you. I, I love that that Manson track. I think that's great. Um, and then also, 
and I know this probably this opinion is probably not shared because but I, I went through a huge Chili peppers. No, no, no. I went through a huge <laughs> punk phase. Uh so uh, Me First and the Gimme Gimme's uh is a like a tribute band and they only do covers and I think it's like one guy from Foo Fighters, somebody from Lagwagon, somebody from Swinging Utters and I can't remember the other the other bands, but it's just punk. That's like all they do is covers, right? That's yeah, that's all they do is covers, and they've done like Elton John, Neil Diamond, Barry Manilow, freaking amazing covers, and they're all punkified. Uh, their most popular ones, uh, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. I think everybody's probably heard that if you ever watched an X Games. It's mm-hmm. it's been on there, what's, and it's what's just really the X Games. Oh dear God, <laughs> is that Xbox? <laughs> what happens when a band's best song is a cover? That's bad. Is that uh, good for you, or is that you suck? That's that's sad. That's yeah. Well, the thing is, Orgy. That, that's the problem is that right? like Blue Monday. Yeah, Blue oh, Monday was Blue their Monday best was, song, and that was an amazing cover. Orgy, Orgy's Blue Monday wasn't uh, that their number one hit? Yeah, and only... I thought it was a great cover, and that song's been covered before by other people too. And right. there was a, a female vocalist. Uh, I want to say she's from Iceland or something. You're thinking of Kate Bizarre Love Triangle, probably no. that girl that did that one. Oh, I don't know if she did that one, but anyway, she she did a good version. You were gonna say something though. Uh, I don't know. I forgot. Thanks a lot. Uh, for those who like Prince, uh, the Be Good Tanya's, and this one's You Either Love It or Hate It, did a version of uh, When Doves Cry. That They rearranged it. They made it an acoustic song, and I think it sounds amazing. Um, it's very mellow, though, so it's not like operatic or, or so theatrical that Prince did it. It's a lot dialed back, but an interesting one to check out. I've got a cover that I did of uh, Foo Fighters Everlong. I called it Everlonger because it slows <laughs> it down. It's only played with one guitar and it's it's slower. Yeah. Maybe I'll let you hear it sometime. Did, did you ever hear the... Minutes long. the it's the, still playing right now. Exactly. <laughs> I haven't stopped. Going. Did you ever hear the uh, the Howard Stern version of Everlong? Oh, yeah. In the studio? Oh, yeah. Oh, the God. acoustic? Oh, yes. Yeah, it's great. I love that one. Not a cover, but anyway. Right. I think that's pretty much uh, that's yeah. pretty much our show, guys. So we're we're already at an hour. Thank and you for having minutes. me on. As a oh, special thank you, guest. Yeah. thank, thank you, you for being thank here. you, Johnny, for hanging it. out with us, man. This was you guys awesome. Are covering the cost of my trip, right? Give <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mario on that. He'll cut you. Too. Paid for, paid for by Mario. We'll have to I do might be able to write this trip off now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do a check to plug anything while you're here. That way. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, you do audio books, right? Audible.com. No, just audio sex books. Sex radio. Well, thanks for listening, guys. That's our show. Uh, we appreciate you joining and listening. Um, be sure to rate us on iTunes, comments, send us emails. Um, all that will be in the show notes as well. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Vine, wherever anything is. We'll probably try to be there. So uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. Take care. We don't have any affiliate links or any sort of advertising set up for the It's a Guy Thing podcast just yet. However, as members of the 210 Podcast Network, we'll just play their advertisements. This podcast episode is brought to you in part by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day trial at www.210localmusic.com slash audible. We get a nice little bonus if you do, and you can cancel at any time. There are over 150,000 titles for you to choose from for your iPad, Kindle, Android, or MP3 player. You can visit us on our home on the web at www.itsaguythingpodcast.com, on Instagram and Facebook at It's a Guy Thing Podcast, and Twitter, It's a Guy Thing Pod. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, and we'll be coming soon to many other podcatchers. Thanks for listening.